calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. My name is Sarah Century, and my misanthropic unborn baby speaks to me from the womb, coaching me to lure and ultimately kill unsuspecting victims. I'm Essie Fleenor. Hey, bitches, what's up? And I'm a student and reluctant revolutionary. I'm supposed to be dead after being exiled into the night. I'm saved only by forming an unusual bond with the enigmatic beasts who roam the ice. I vow to stay hidden. (laughs) I hate it when that happens. It's me and the ice beasts again, again, in this economy. We have a question from self-proclaimed casual listener, which I think is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Nayland. (laughs) I admire a casual bitch, so. (laughs) I just love, I love it. I'm like, you know what? You don't have to say you're a loyal listener. I'm down. Like, casual (laughs) works for me. We can keep it cash. We can keep it cash. Oh, yeah. Don't be loyal. I mean, Play the field when it comes to podcasts, for sure. (laughs) We guarantee you that your podcast is not the only one we listen to either. We're not waiting by the phone for you. (laughs) For your podcast. (laughs) That'd be such a weird way to get a podcast, but who knows? Mm. So Naylin says, I think Ghost Rider looks cool and has awesome powers, but it feels like no one else cares about Ghost Rider. And like maybe there aren't a lot of good stories. I've read some Danny Ketch. I've read a little Robbie Reyes. I like these characters, and frankly, I want to read more of them. But I'm finding it difficult to find them. So, what are your thoughts on the Ghost Riders? And what are some fun stories you recommend for any of them? Are they not good, or are some people just mean? Thanks, Nayland. We so appreciate your question. And you have come to the correct place. Sarah Century has been running on our Patreon a Ghost Rider Corner 
that is so funny, so informative, so weird. I just feel like we have come to the right person. I am so excited to hear Sarah talk about Ghost Rider. I love Ghost Rider, but Sarah and Ghost Rider, you have a thing going on. Naylin, some people are just mean. (laughs) Some people are just mean, and that's the long and the short of it. Well, okay, so there's some cheese element to Ghost Rider, right? Which I think can put people off, which I respect and I understand. But here's the thing. It's hip to be a square. So (laughs) if you like Ghost Rider... If you like Ghost Rider, you have come to the right place because I am truly, truly one of Ghost Rider's very biggest fans. And I really think that the series should tap more into its lesbian market because I just (laughs) don't see why lesbians wouldn't love this character. Leather jacket, motorcycle. I mean, you love Bound, you'll love Ghost Rider. So... (laughs) I love this guy. He's so funny and cool. I love the aesthetic. I love how bizarre and goofy and weird all of the comics are. I think that he's one of Marvel's very strangest characters. He really doesn't make any sense. It's like evil Knievel if he was flamehead skull guy. Like, question mark, question mark, question mark. I have questions about how you all came up with this character, you know, because it's so goofy. And he's like, I come out of hell. And he's got like a pitchfork motorcycle seat situation and just so much goofiness to his original design. And he's one of those characters that just against all odds, like those Marvel horror characters that kind of just somehow combine the bonkersness of superhero comics and the bonkersness of horror at the same time, with also a little bit of cultural staple of evil can evil thrown into the mix, right? So, <laughs> I mean, it's wild, you know? It's a wild comic. So, I have some questions. How did you discover Ghost Rider? And then I'll talk about my first Ghost Rider stories. I think the first Ghost Rider I read was Robbie Reyes. You know, I think I, like, had seen the movies maybe with, with the Nicolas Cage, which we review on our Patreon because we are apparently very into Nicolas Cage. And by into, I mean can't stop thinking about not, like, he's our friend and we think highly of him. I don't know. <laughs> he's probably okay. Or a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, Robbie makes an appearance in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I really like. That's at the yeah. beginning. Whoa, okay. The casting, right? Oh, so Like, good. in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Robbie Reyes looks amazing. That guy, what I forget the actor's name, but he is so incredible. He's also in Dark Fate, and he rules. Like, he's so good at Robbie Reyes. He gives you, like, the adult version, right? Because in the comic, Robbie Reyes is a teen, but he gives you, like, the, this guy has been around. He is uh, portrayed by Gabrielle Luna. Yes, he's of so course. good. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, I like I like Ghost Rider's whole thing. You know, I love a tortured soul. I also like when there's two beings in one body. I'm always like, ooh, roommate drama. <laughs> like, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, so for me, Ghost Rider was like more of a, I knew Ghost Rider existed. I'd maybe like read crossovers where Ghost Rider showed up. And I was always like, Ghost Rider is cool. I kind of think that Ghost Rider comics, sometimes they're the ones that cohere the best. And that's so strange because you're like, what is this concept? Like, why do I need a demon evil Knievel? I don't know, but I do. I do need a demon <laughs> evil Knievel. And I, I love it. I, I think it is so fun. I love that any Ghost Rider, no matter what they're writing, turns into like a flame version of it. 
There's like a ghostwriter who writes a mammoth. That is so funny to me. Like a mammoth that's like on fire, but also like not. Yeah. Like, oh, that that's hysterical. I could I could read 4,000 issues of mammoth ghostwriter. Don't remember his <laughs> name, but I would be there. It's such a fun concept. And I think what I like about comics is that there's this line of like taking yourself seriously or of like taking the form seriously. And I think that Ghostwriter does not take itself seriously, but takes the form of comics really seriously and takes advantage of them and, like, really does this goofy shit with this really intense tone. And that makes it, like, okay, perfect. I'm in. This is weird, and I love it. <laughs> right. And for a long time, you never could have seen a movie that was Ghostwriter because the effects would have been ungodly oh, difficult. Yeah. To pull off in any way. Even the jump in the effects between the first Ghost Rider and the second, uh -huh. the budget goes up so much. But you can tell in the first one, they're working with flames a lot of the time. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, that's scary. But the second one, you're like, this is, there's not very much actual work with flames here. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> for the actor's safety. <laughs> yeah, CGI's come a long way. We'll say yeah, that. Yeah, it right. has. <laughs> so... The first Ghost Rider comics I was reading was in the 90s, and I actually just guested on My Marvelous Year, the podcast, and talked about the 90s Ghost Rider, Danny Ketch, and kind of what I enjoyed about that era. So that was my first, but it was sporadic because they didn't get that comic where I lived very much. Like, there wasn't a constant supply of Ghost Rider like there was with X-Men or something. So I ended up being in and out, sometimes reading Ghost Rider, like when I could find it. And I always loved Ghost Rider. I love the aesthetic of Ghost Rider. I think he looks so, so cool, especially in the 90s when everything was, I was, you know, 10, you know, like <laughs> I was 10 and everybody had leather jackets with spikes upon spikes and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I was reading the Daniel Way series. And I think that that's really when I solidified my love of Ghost Rider because he starts a new story of Johnny Blaze has died somehow and he went to hell and then all of the demons escape. And so he's trying to find 666 demons, which is always like the best goofy, like, well, that's the motivator for however long this series runs. <laughs> he can just chase after demons for Love a pretense like that. That's totally Winona Earp's pretense too. It you is, know, like, yeah. Perfect. There's a certain perfect. number of demons you have to kill, just <laughs> start killing and it's just like, oh, well, I guess that that's like my destiny. All right, I'll do it. And then uh, Danny Ketch, of course, comes back in that. Like, we see them as brothers now, of course. And, like, there's the new ghostwriters that come in and all of that. So that was kind of... I started reading again, basically, with Daniel Way because there was a Planet Hulk crossover that was really cool because Ghost Rider fights Hulk. And then at the end... He goes to do like the penance stare and then he doesn't. And then Stephen Strange is like in a, another realm watching and he's like, well, he didn't do it because Hulk isn't guilty. Like he's coming for us because we deserve it. And it's just like, ah, so I loved that story. There's one that Richard Corbin, the legendary horror artist, pencils early where we discover how Johnny died and it's totally just because Johnny is so trusting in all of the wrong people every time and I love that actually as a character trait so all of the ghostwriters bring us something different but I love Johnny Blaze because he's kind of a screw-up he believes the wrong people he makes bad decisions he wants everything to be easy like he just tries all of the time to cut the drama out of his life entirely and it will never happen 
because when you try to just not engage whatsoever with drama, it's just going to get worse and worse and pile up and cause you even more problems. And of course, he trusts the wrong people. He dies, ends up in hell, ends up fighting Satan in the middle of America. (laughs) (laughs) Who is he, Dean Winchester? I love it. And I wrote about that actually for Comfort Food Comics because it's one of my favorite ghostwriter stories is him Oh, I was naive. That is actually the best word for Johnny Blaze, because no matter what his incarnation, he's always trying to simplify things. Which is like, just who do you think work. the ghostwriter is writing? It's, it's yeah. you, bitch. You're being yeah. written. Like, what? Just because you ride a motorcycle doesn't mean that's what the ghostwriter is writing. The ghostwriter is writing you. Exactly. <laughs> like, of course there's going to be drama. <laughs> Yeah, no, and he tries. He does everything he can to get away with he it. He really or, does. It, and it just, it will never happen for him. And then, of course, Danny Ketch comes along. Danny Ketch brings a lot of moral ambiguity to Ghost Rider because he is just like, I'm kind of a pacifist and I'm connected to like a hell demon that kills people and does the penance stare and... The penance stare. Does some line crossing, you know, and... Danny Ketch has a problem with it. And it doesn't matter, though, because Danny Ketch becomes addicted to being Ghost Rider. And I mentioned before in other podcasts how I don't always think that the addiction aspect of this story is handled with sensitivity always. But I do like that it's a factor because I think that there is something very tragic about Danny Ketch when you see him early in the story, he just wants to save his sister. That's all mm. he wants. And he becomes someone who is constantly struggling and pained by the Ghost Rider. And then whenever he just completely forsakes the Ghost Rider, you see him just like trying so hard to get it back because he mm. does have an addiction. And like I said, not handled great usually, but I do at least like the fact that there is a sympathetic portrayal in some ways because it's like he's the hero and he's suffering from this. So I think that there's something to be said for that. I would like for it to be dealt with in a not destructive, in a bad place guy, but actually dealing with what addiction is. In the comic, I would like to see that more from somebody who could tackle it with sensitivity, I guess. But also, Danny Ketch is the one who struggles the most. Because even as much as Johnny Blaze struggles, at the end of the day, he just wants to ride motorcycles. Like, he just wants to go out and have fun and stuff. And, like, the fact that Ghost Rider kind of ruins everything is his burden. Whereas with Danny Ketch, it's a much deeper burden because he really does struggle. Yeah, with the morality of it all. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And then later, of course, Robbie Reyes. So it's basically you oh, go before from we this go guy. there. One of my favorite runs from the '90s is like in this space in between this because it's Ghost Rider slash Blaze Spirits of Vengeance from 1992. It's like six issues. To be clear, it's between Danny Ketch, original story, and Robbie Reyes. Exactly. And this story has two ghostwriters in it, but the ghostwriter is no longer with Danny. And I, I don't really know, like, what happened. He's just not there. So, but then Johnny Blaze is like, I'm just normal now, just, like, doing my tricks. And <laughs> the ghostwriter shows up and is like, are you, though? Like, are you sure? Like, maybe we should, maybe we should do some stuff. And then it's just like a wild road trip that I have no idea how the different events of the comics are connected to one another other than by road trip, which, mm-hmm. frankly, I'm a fan of the form, especially with a ghostwriter. 
But there is a really <laughs> funny scene. Johnny's like, I'm not your teammate. And the the ghostwriter who is Danny's spirit, but without Danny, is like, come on, man, we gotta go fight some stuff. And then like the bad, evil people come and like beat up their <laughs> family. And so <laughs> then he's like, fine, I'll join you. And then <laughs> like literally <laughs> the ghostwriter's like, we ride together. And <laughs> Johnny's like, yeah, fine. And then he's like, oh, I guess we're going back to New York. I'm sure the cops have forgotten about us by now. Flicks his cigarette in a new panel. And the panel, all it says is dot, 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 not. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 90s. It's the 90s. Parts of Ghost Rider, especially in the 90s, are just the most 90s in a way that I think is good. Oh, it's so fun. There are massive criticisms of the 90s, yeah. of course, but... Whenever it's good, it's good. And Ghost Rider is totally the example of like whenever it's actually pretty amazing because it's so goofy. Um, it and doesn't dramatic, take itself too it seriously. Works. Yes, 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 exactly. The first Ghost Rider stories are like, all right. Ghost Rider was also in The Champions, which is hilarious. And <laughs> uh, just like such the most funny directionless superhero team I've ever seen. It's like Black Widow and Ghost Rider and Angel are all on a team together. It is hilarious. <laughs> it's really funny. So there's plenty of things to find if you want to read some good, goofy, early Ghost Rider stories. But for me, the thing that made it really good is whenever Tony Isabella comes on board for Ghost Rider, to me, it's it's like a slightly more cohesive Steve Gerber comic almost because Steve Gerber is known for being like, and now I'm over here and now I'm over here and now I'm over here. And like for Tony Isabella, it was like a little bit more chill than that, but also just as bonkers. Like he introduced uh, Karen Page as a side character. Karen Page is incredible in this comic. It's some of my favorite stuff with her because she never really gets the spotlight and sometimes in Daredevil, I guess, but there's always the weirdness. And this was just her being herself dating Johnny Blaze a little bit, which is totally weird. She just has a thing for gingers, but <laughs> that's cool, Karen. But Karen is cool. I like that saga and then I like the fact that they bring in the orb who is this very comical villain in my opinion he just has like a big old eyeball head <laughs> the orb is so funny I, love, I love the orb and it's like it sucks because it's totally like he has a scarred face and so he's evil and we all know that's not cool that's something not to put in your story really at this point probably at any point it would have been cool to skip over but I like that he's such a kind of dynamic and like nonsensical villain because as much as Johnny is like I'm just trying to take it easy man the orb is like I am emphatically not going to allow that and like, <laughs> I think that there's just something really funny about them fighting each other. So that whole era is really cool. We talked about Danny Ketch. I love Danny Ketch era, 90s Ghost Rider. I love all of that. I love the Daniel Way stuff. The Jason Aaron stuff is good too, whenever he gets into like War for Heaven and stuff like that. But then of course, we've all dilly-dallied for long enough and we must introduce the best Ghost Rider who is Robbie Reyes. Uh, pretty much without question. Robbie Reyes. Oh, so the titles for that are All New Ghost Rider from 2014, Ghost Rider from 2016, and What If Ghost Rider from 2018. I think those are all the appearances. <laughs> There's a really funny Christmas special that was written oh, by right. Method Man, right? Is that right? <laughs> was it Method Man? I'm uh, it up. 
Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a if you have Marvel Unlimited, you can read the Christmas special that's Robbie Reyes Ghostwriter written by Method Man, which is pretty good actually. Well, I'll be reading that the second I get off of this call. That sounds amazing. I love Robbie Reyes. I think that Robbie is like so relatable and especially I think compared to some of the other ghostwriters, like I get where Robbie's coming from, you know, versus like, I just want to ride my motorcycle real fast, which like, I, hey, I'm down. But Robbie's got so much going on in his life. Robbie has his shit together. That's the thing. And he's a teenager. Robbie is <laughs> the ghostwriter who has his shit 100% together. And he is the teenager. <laughs> he's the youngest of them all. I think his ride is the coolest. It is. His ride is really cool. That was what I was going to say was the aesthetic of this guy. Wow. Yeah. And most of the Robbie, uh, besides Method Man, is written by Felipe Smith. And then I know Trad Moore was on the first run, but I don't know who the art on the Trad Moore, who we saw on Silver Surfer Black. Yes. Is just one of our favorite artists. Yeah. Trad Moore tears it up. That whole series is amazing. Like... And then I forget the name of the other artists as well, but I remember just like, that's it. This character has like this incredible aesthetic and every artist that's been chosen to work on his work has 100% delivered it. It's very modern looking. There's something just great about the look of the comic, but also just that Robbie Reyes rules. Like he's really cool. He has things he cares about in life that he's not going to see compromised. I think that that's something that's very interesting because the other two ghostwriters became ghostwriters because of the compromise, right? The first mm-hmm. one was because he makes a deal with the devil to save the people he cares about. And then the second was because he stumbles across something in his moment of, I need to save my sister right now. Whereas Robbie Reyes becomes ghostwriter basically just to be a badass. Like the whole saga is fun and fun in a way that I just don't think we get to see enough in ghostwriter stories, which feels weird to say because I feel like there should be way more fun. But sometimes it gets very somber, right? Even after, after Robbie Reyes, we go to the Edverson series that is the most recent, which is good, but there's definitely a lot of like very heavy stuff going on in Danny Ketch's life during that series. And it makes me be like, I don't know. I feel like Robbie Reyes should always be around because he's a very fun version of this character and also has his own pathos and everything. It's not like he's totally. like doesn't have people that he cares about, but it's just like the way that he approaches his role as ghostwriter is so refreshing (laughs) after like the last two, right? And I think it's really interesting the way his Latin dad plays out in in the comics and, and how he's allowed to be a person of color and all of his experiences, how they form him. I think that's all really fascinating and cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ghostwriter is a little bit different. So the car, Robbie, and then the spirit inhabiting Robbie and the car are like a sort of trinity, an unholy trinity, one might say. <laughs> and it's really cool because Robbie can phase through the car. So Robbie can be like punching someone and then the car will come through him to slam into the person. Mm-hmm. That is like so cool looking and so interesting to like, what? Like, how is the car also alive? But the car is alive, but the car is the, mm-hmm. the spirit, but the car isn't the spirit. And the car is Robbie, but the car isn't Robbie. And you're like, what? I love this shit. There's some theology up in here. And I yeah. love it. And it's so beautiful. And, you know, Robbie's relationship to his brother is so moving. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, Sarah, the reason Robbie becomes the ghostwriter is almost happenstance. The ghostwriter seeks him out and mm-hmm. and is actually in his body and in the car and... Robbie's in the car, 
before Robbie makes the commitment. And then Robbie has to say, and I don't remember exactly what it is, but like whatever the commitment is you have to make to like care about doing what's right. But then Robbie always has a little bit of a weird relationship with his ghostwriter where he's a little bit like, I don't know. Like, let's think about this. A little bit more like Danny, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. But in dialogue with the ghostwriter, exactly. which is very different, right? Yes. I'm nodding vigorously. Yes. And I think that's what's cool. I think Felipe Smith did some really incredible work here with Robbie. Again, I love the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's like the first arc of season four, I believe. And I think that, you know, he has great uh, chemistry with Daisy. He's interesting. He looks cool as fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. And like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people have not dealt with anything mystical at that point. So they're like, you're not an alien. Like, we know what aliens are. You're not an inhuman. We know what inhumans are. Like, what the (laughs) fuck is happening? And that's like really cute to see like Coulson all flustered. And like, what do you uh-huh. mean a soul? A soul? <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. cute. So I, yeah, I think Robbie, like you said, is is easily the greatest and in such a fun way builds on the lore. You know, if you can have a Mustang that is a, you know, a ghost machine, you can have a motorcycle, you can have a mammoth, you can have a horse. In the second Ghost Rider movie, which is just called Spirit of Vengeance from 2011, Nicolas Cage gets into like, I don't know what it is. It's like a giant piece of machinery and it becomes like all flames like flying out mm-hmm. everywhere. And I'm just like, you know, in my own house alone being like, yes, bitch, get them. Because it's cool. It looks cool. Ghost Rider is cool. I will go to my grave saying Ghost Rider is cool. Yeah, Ghost Rider is cool. <laughs> I like Ghost Rider a lot. And I always have. I think that alongside maybe Silver Surfer, he's probably one of my favorite of like the weird Marvel characters. <laughs> and oh, God, no, I like Man Thing too. God damn it. Yeah, I just like, I love all of those kind of weird 70s characters that didn't quite fit in with the rest of the Marvel Universe, but you can't imagine it without them. Like, those are my favorites, I think, because I love the philosophizing of the Silver Surfer. But I also kind of love the, like, you will be held accountable, fuck you, attitude of Ghost Rider. And the way that it plays out on the people's lives, because I do think that there's something to be said about how terrible vengeance is, right? And so that's also something that's interesting because I feel like Robbie isn't necessarily, he's like the spirit of vengeance, but negotiates it to something that is tolerable for him, which is unique among the ghostwriters to say the very least, which is also (laughs) why whenever like 2099 ghostwriter was just like in the future, Johnny Blaze becomes king of the ghostwriters in the ghost realm or whatever. I was just like, yeah, right. There's no way. Robbie Reyes is such a better ghostwriter. <laughs> like, <laughs> even, even Johnny would tell you that. Johnny yes. doesn't want to be king of the ghostwriters. But, like, if somebody out of the ones that we've known is going to be, it would totally be Robbie Reyes. And then if not... You could make a another ghostwriter, right? Robbie is like a low-key guy, so who knows if he'd actually like want that role. I'm happy if, to think that Robbie would do something else with his life, but yeah, it does seem like Johnny? Okay. No way. No way. <laughs> but also, of course, we have to wrap it up by talking about my favorite, well, one of my favorites, Cosmic Ghostwriter. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, Cosmic Ghostwriter. I forgot. <laughs> Cosmic Ghost Rider is the most ridiculous concept. If you like all of the goofy metal aspects of 
Ghost Rider, Cosmic Ghost Rider is for you because it's totally Frank Castle whose family is killed on an alternate reality by Thanos. And then he ends up in hell, of course, because he's Frank goddamn Castle. He's not going to heaven. And he makes a deal with Mephisto to become Cosmic Ghost Rider so he can hold Thanos accountable. But Mephisto tricked you. Yeah, everybody just stop trusting Mephisto. That asshole does not care about you. Um, yeah, he's just going to trick you and make you be the Ghost Rider. So he becomes <laughs> he becomes Ghost Rider, cosmic Ghost Rider, fights an enormous space shark, like all of the things. <laughs> he goes after Thanos. There's a cosmic Ghost Rider kills the Marvel Universe, like all of the things, right? Very goofy, very over the top. Exactly all of the things that you would want from a comic that's called Cosmic Ghost Rider. Those three <laughs> words together. It's basically what the comics are. There's been a few different creators work on them, but it's always Cosmic Ghost Rider, pretty much. It's <laughs> like, hysterical. It is. I love Ghost Rider, though. That's the thing is, is like, if this conversation teaches you nothing, it should be that pretty consistently from the beginning of Ghost Rider. I like Ghost Rider. Like, I'm <laughs> kind of here for it across the board. I'm here for the bad, you know, X-Men crossovers of the 90s. I'm here for, you know, even like some of the rockier parts of that first story where I'm like, oh, I don't know about this, but I still will read it because it's Ghost Rider. And there's always something that I like about it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to love. So we will absolutely share in the show notes a link to an article Sarah wrote where she wrote about the best Ghost Rider comics of ever. And then we will also let you know episode 61. If you want to go listen, the comic of the week that week is Ghost Rider from 1978. It's a hilarious crossover with Stephen Strange. We loved that, epi that uh, episode. Well, we loved that episode. But we also really loved that <laughs> arc. It is like three issues of just like what the actual fuck. Hysterical. The best parts of Ghost Rider and Stephen Strange, for sure. Exactly. They're just like, I'm mad and I don't know who you are. Well, I don't know who you are. Let's yeah. fight. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Sarah will continue to be doing her Ghost Rider Corner over on Patreon. Any of those that are free, we always tweet out. We also tweet out the ones you have to pay for. If you can afford to join us for $2 or even $1, just know it helps a ton. And then you get all the Ghost Rider coverage you could want and probably then some. <laughs> Oh, yeah. More on the way. I'm recording more of that this week. <laughs> Amazing. Naylan, thank you for just an awesome question. Obviously, we love talking about Ghost Rider, and we are just so pumped to be able to dedicate a whole episode to this ridiculously cool, ridiculously strange character. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. everybody if you have a minute while you're listening to this episode before you're listening to this episode or after you're listening to this episode if you wouldn't mind going and rating and reviewing us if that is a thing that you can do on the podcast app which you are listening to right now at this moment or were or will be in the future you can give us five stars that is the preferred number of stars <laughs> if you want to give us <laughs> that's just a fact If you want to give us less stars, we're less into it. It's fine, though. But also just be aware that giving us five stars and rating and reviewing us definitely helps us find new listeners. And that's a whole thing, right? That's how the podcast survives. You have to have the listeners and the raters and the reviewers. It's all just a delicate ecosystem. And if you would like to contribute to our delicate ecosystem, (laughs) you could do so by, once again, rating and reviewing us on many podcast platforms, not all of them, but often. The comic of the week is Firebug. Story and art by Johnny Christmas. Colors by Tamara Bombillane. Letters by Ariana Mayhair. Yay, this comic was great. (laughs) It's so fun. I love, like, the design is so great on this this piece. You know, like, all the pages have beautiful layouts. And then, like, even the intro pages as you get in, like, give you a feel of what the comic is. Yeah, this is a beautiful piece of art is what I will say. (laughs) And you said that Johnny Christmas does both the writing and the penciling, right? Yes, Okay, that rules because the it rules. <laughs> it looks so good. Yeah, the way that the pages are laid out, but there's also just like the way that action happens, mm-hmm. all of the fight scenes and stuff that are in this. Even at the beginning, I feel like they're like running and then there's like a collision. Oh my god. Yeah, the flowing motion of this comic is so good and so on point. And it reminds me of some of the best manga. It reminds me a little bit of like Prince of Cats in that way that it has yes. like kind of the or it reminds me almost of like Eon Flux, the cartoon. Like it reminds me of like a bunch of things where I'm like, this is the best action, right? It's so good, but it also has its own look that makes it awesome. And then there's kind of like the sketchy style to it in a way too that kind of reminds me of like uh, what's her name? Uh, Vanessa Del Rey, is that correct? The person who did Pretty Deadly. Oh, the yes. The line work kind of reminds me of that. And I love that style of art. So there's just like a lot of things that I see in the art that just, I, I love all of it. And so I was like, the fact that the writer does the art makes a lot of sense to me. But what is the story about? So it's the story of a young woman 
who is, you know, sort of alone and runs into a group, a gang in a sense of younger people who are all trying to live like outside of societal norms. So they might rely on stealing things to keep themselves safe and they might, they do like graffiti and all this kind of stuff. The young woman is black and most of the people in the the gang are white, but there's like a mix of, of different ethnicities. And what we find out is she kind of, she falls in love with one of the dudes. He has like very cute pink hair. I'm like, fine, I approve. And it's like the slow evolution and un- unraveling of like, who is she? Who was she running from? Like, why, why was she running? Then you find out the whole society is based on a sort of worship of a, a volcano goddess, but there's disagreement about how to worship her. I think all the religious aspects are really well done, like as a, like a religion and and a ritual nerd. I thought that was like really cool. The main character is like so cool. I love her so much. I do not remember her name at the moment. She is, you know, the titular firebug. Adria is the white lady. Keegan is the goddess. Uh-huh. Her boyfriend is Griffin and her, you know, becomes her sage is Amina, the spy who becomes the sage. So Keegan is this very cool character that you're like, wow, why is she here? What is her deal? And then slowly but surely it turns out she's the daughter of the goddess. And it is so cool. It is like Who is being kept drugged by like this cult, right? Yep, that are like her worshippers. So that's why I think some of the best parts of this is just how they they talk about the way that Worship can turn into like shackles. Oh, yeah. You know, quite literally in, in this case. And so the goddess has being held captive. So then the gang, the gang of like young people that Keegan runs into, they're like, oh, we got to save the goddess. And Keegan's like, yeah, I'll help you save the goddess. Like, let's save the goddess. Like, that's, I'm on board. And then, of course, like things unravel from there. The colors, I mean, Tamara Bonvillain does just. Some of the most incredible colors. I, I absolutely adore her work. And she does such a nice job on this. It is just beautiful page after page. The yellows, the purples, the, the skin tones of the different characters. Blue becomes really important in the second half of the book. And orange and the way that those are played against each other. It's just uh, beautiful. I love it. Isn't there too? There's a water and a fire. So Keegan is from the, the fire volcano side. goddess. So yeah, she's the fire. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool how that manifests because there's scenes where she's like, I can feel the lava beneath my feet under Ooh, earth chills. and like all of that chills. stuff. It's so cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. But then there's the water side and then the annoying person <laughs> who <laughs> fell in love with Griffin, like this like white girl who, whose name is Adria. And then... Yeah, so she falls in love with Griffin, and Griffin falls in love with Keegan, so it turns into a whole thing. And then she is kind of possessed, I guess, by, like, one of the water gods. Is that what happens? Yeah, it's like, so the people who are, like, imprisoning the volcano goddess are also keeping, like, a salamander-looking character in a pool of dirty water. It's actually, like, a tube of dirty water, like a tank, kind of. Right. And... As things sort of unravel when the, you know, the young kids led by Griffin and Adria go to break out the goddess, they make a mistake, things go wild, there's like an earthquake, it breaks the tank, and the salamander is trying to get out, 
Adria, getting away from all of the like, drama, catches the salamander, and the salamander rides her and is like, get me to the ocean, which like is a very cute scene because then like the salamander gets bigger and bigger the closer they get. So that part's like illustrated really hilariously and like beautifully. Yeah. And like their connection is weird and interesting. It's weird and interesting. Such a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like she's kind of an insufferable character. She's really mean to Keegan all of the time. And she's like self-righteous and she's yeah. like, you all don't care about the cause as much as I do. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, very annoying. So she seems like the exact person, right, <laughs> this, this entity could take over kind of. And then there is all of the fun of a water fire feud. There are pages upon pages of really cool fight oh, scenes. And so beautiful. It is so amazing, and I love all of it. I especially love a character called Amina, who is there spying, right, on Keegan, mm-hmm. and then becomes Keegan's girlfriend. Question <laughs> like, mark. Like, partner. BFF. Like, vizier. Amina's, like, Keegan's vizier, but also, like, mm. doesn't believe in any of it. Which <laughs> is, like, yeah, a very yeah, cute yeah. relationship to have, and... It so is, yeah. When Keegan gets her powers, one of the really cool things is she wears her hair in sort of like a, a natural fro. And then when she gets her powers, her her natural fro turns into like a lava fire fro, depending on like how pissed off she is. And you're just yeah. like, oh my God, I love comics. Like comics can do the coolest shit. And I love that Johnny Christmas is like, yes, they can. And they will, you know? It's yeah. like, hell yes. This is someone who loves comics and wants to push the boundaries of what we can represent with it. And, you know, like you said, captures action in just these, like, remarkable ways. I mean, there's these panels. I'm looking at one right now where there's a character in the forefront, two characters in, like, the middle sort of area, and then two in the back. And and they have different levels of, you know, detail drawn into them, that, that sketching drawing. But you you feel the movement through the panel, you know? And you're like, yes, okay, I can see these people scrambling to run away from something. And it's like, wow, how beautifully done. And the expressions of people's faces are so, so real and so relatable, right? Like, when someone looks scared in this comic, I'm like, yeah, that's what I look like when I'm scared, you know? Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was quite a surprise. I mean, you sent it over and I was just like, oh, I don't know what this is. We'll see. You know, I hadn't heard of Johnny Christmas before. Of course, I knew the colorist, but also I hadn't heard of the letterer. And the letter cleans up really oh, good yeah. stuff. Very, very good and very dynamic lettering that matches the whole tone of the book. So to me, this is one of those moments of this is just a perfect creative team. They work really well together. Everybody does A plus work. And it creates this comic that is such a flip on like so many things. Like there's supposed to be this like rivalry between Adrea and Keegan and Keegan very much just kind of wipes her hands, you know, is like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> like, don't you want to like live? Isn't it better if we like work together to explore and have curiosity and like mm-hmm. all of this? And then mm-hmm. it's just like, because there can't be that reconciliation, she just kind of gets bored of it, which is I relate to because I get bored of feuds. I don't really like to try to uphold a feud. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know what you reminded me of is like she's also, you know, the the inheritor of this this prophecy of destruction. And they're like, oh, you're going to kill everybody. 
She's like, like I you have don't to. Want to. And she's like, but what if? What if I don't want to? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, very much like, no, I'm drawing my own boundaries. Yeah. And in the face of a lot of tragedy and a lot of people being like, no, it is like going to end the earth if you draw a boundary. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. I really respect this character. I thought that yeah. she was great. I was like, I would love to see more from her. I think that she's so fun and interesting and cool and mature, you know, and immature sometimes too, in like a fun way. Like I love that's why her dynamic with Amina is so fun, is because they kind of tease each other, you know. Like they're both like, okay, all right, it's fun. Yeah, um, Amina's sort of irreverence works because she's literally talking to a goddess, you know. Yeah, and the goddess is like, <laughs> and I just think the whole thing is very funny that like. And I totally, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I totally get, like, ship vibes from them. I'm like, oh, these, these people seem to really like each other. But even if not, I'm still here for it. Because with Griffin, it was like, A, this guy screws up way too much and, like, is kind of on the way out. And it's pretty obvious that that's going to happen. But then it's like, with Amina, I think that it's, like, a different vibe. And so I just kind of loved their dynamic. So it was one of those things of, like, I'm cool whatever way that goes. But I just want to see yeah. more of those two. Like, they're fun together. Yeah, yeah. Go, go pick it up. Firebug is incredible. It's about 140 pages. I think it's on comiXology for under $12 right now, which is like, what? So it is a beautiful story. Johnny Christmas, Tamara Bonvillain, and Ariana Mayhair. Like, this is just nailed it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Beautiful. I believe Johnny Christmas also has Crema, which I think is free to read on comiXology too. So I haven't checked that one out, but I'm guessing maybe it'll also be pretty great. We are a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Ah. 
contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.